Welcome to VB Engage episode 77. My name is Stuart Rogers and I'm with VentureBeat and I am joined as ever by the author of Digital Sense, the co-founder of CCP Digital. It is Mr. Travis Wright. How are you doing today? And the crowd goes mild. <laughs> That's good. Do, That's Travis. so good. It's nice yeah. to hear your voice again, Mr. Stuart Rogers. It's been a while. Listeners, what you don't know, of course, is that uh, sometimes Travis and I get to have days apart from each other. Sometimes we get to actually see each other in, in 3D uh, in various cities around the world. It's very, you know, often we do actually have to record guest interviews and we re record the guest appearances sometimes in a row. We have done three recordings today, have we not, Travis? We have. And uh, so I was being sarcastic yeah which is uh <laughs> which is rare i never is, i'm never sarcastic you know i'm normally yeah. so serious you are one of the most serious people on the planet as far as i'm concerned Trace. i appreciate that we have a great show for you guys today we are going to be talking about some interesting stuff in the world of ai some stuff around blockchain and then we have a great interview later with peggy ann Sauls as we talk about mobile marketing or as Stuart would say mobile marketing <laughs> oh my goodness oh listeners really really sorry about that uh travis will never ever ever do that again as we all know if you're a long-standing listener of uh vp engage you know that anytime i say travis will never do that again he just does it incessantly oh uh, more so, and more often yeah yeah so i'm just only just yeah. begun actually let's try something different travis i just want you to always do that okay just always do that. <laughs> oh look at you using your psychotherapy can we talk about therapy for a little bit um not psychotherapy but can we talk about beauty therapists for a little while? Let's do um, it. When I went to Tel Aviv for two weeks, I was digging into what makes the startup nation so good, you know, why they've got so many amazing startups out there and, and, and what makes them tick over there in Israel. I met with the CEO of a company called Miss Bees, and it's one of those kind of sharing economy apps. It's like Uber for brute beauty therapists. And so you can order a massage, a manicure, a pedicure, people to help you put your makeup on i mean that's uh, that's the one i go for personally mm. they can come to your home or your office uh, so you basically you know you just you booking them using the app now they've just announced that they have now rolled out artificial intelligence and machine learning across the entire platform so this is not a, a huge company they're a good size company with apps on both android and ios and they're doing some really amazing things in terms of bringing together you know, the beauty therapist industry, and that's that's actually helping women be empowered and, and you know work all over the place. So they've got this running in Tel Aviv and in London and, and elsewhere. So it's doing a great thing on that side, and it's you know putting AI into every single part of it. So you know they've got a chatbot in there for support. They've got smart routing um, in there in terms of like choosing the best, most performant routes for the therapist. So they you know go from point A to Z and every point in between in the best possible way consumer pattern analysis for personalization, behavioral graphs. They've, they've thrown everything in there. They've just put a massive bet on AI, but they're doing it within the confines of a fairly small app company. And I think 
that's really, really interesting and actually quite inspirational for a lot of app developers out there. What do you think, Travis? Well, when you read through this thing and it talks about this, so they're using the machine learning technologies and they're using these automatic decision-making engines to help define personal preferences, uh, the customer history, the predicting customer predictions, satisfaction levels, and more. And so they can get some, they can do some analysis on the customers and realize and say, hey, okay, this person, we need to go ahead and send this person out because maybe they're, they're a little more high maintenance. And so you need to have a better or somebody who's a little more uh, experienced to go out there. It's a platform that it, it just goes to show where AI and machine learning can fit into all of these different apps in all these different industries. And there's no slowing down of the AI. There's absolutely no slowing down of it. And, and it's really, I, I think, very interesting that AI in this context is being incorporated into an entire platform by a regular app developer. It's not something that you need to be like a huge Fortune 500 company to actually use this stuff. It's even being used to the point where it's determining the best time for the therapist to launch deals and offer discount coupons and that kind of stuff for, for frequent customers. It's doing some really smart stuff, and they've put it right throughout the entire platform and throughout the entire app. And I I just think that's really smart from their perspective, but at the same time, it's quite hopeful you know, from the point of view of all other app or website developers, because if they can put AI into it, then so can you. And you know, I think that's really, really cool. It's, uh, it's certainly something that, that caught my eye. And I saw a piece of news about how regular companies are, that maybe are doing something we've seen maybe a dozen times before. Um, are now using blockchain technology to disrupt the way that that is done and, and create an entire economy around it. What was that news this week? Yes, there's a company out called Veniware, which is looks like V Anywhere. Uh, and this is a skill sharing solution that's basically la- allowing anyone that has any marketable skills to capitalize on that knowledge, and they're utilizing the blockchain technology, which is near and dear to my heart. Uh, as we've mentioned in other shows, I do co-host the Bad Crypto Podcast, which is all about blockchain and Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and all that great stuff. So it's always interesting to see new blockchain technologies as blockchain is really, truly disrupting so, so many industries. I've pinned about 50 different industries so far that blockchain is disrupting, and this is not one that I had pegged. So this one right here is a, a, it's basically what it's allowing uh, to do is uh, you know you can share your skills. Now there's some, certain places you can already share skills like you know Mechanical Turk or Skillshare, some other places, and you can do different freelance stuff on Upwork and other different sites like that. But this right here, it's basically a platform that allows you to provide live one-on-one interactions with someone who has the skill set that you're requiring to to finish or work on some different project or learn from them, right? So, so how is this inter- interactive experience set up, Stuart? Let's say that uh, you know I need somebody to teach me how to speak Russian. There'll be somebody out there who will give me Russian lessons via video using the app, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But what's really interesting is the fact that this is blockchain technology underlying this. So this is listeners something you're just going to have to go get your head around. Yes, there are lots of platforms out there that do this similar kind of thing. Or, yeah, you could go and just watch some YouTube videos. It's not going to be the same as getting that one-to-one interaction and tuition, right? But in terms of what's happening here is that they've created an entire economy around their token, the the V-A-N-Y token. Therefore, you know, people are getting paid using that economy. So it's like having a local currency for the service. 
And also, of course, the fact that it's on blockchain means that everything that's happening in the ecosystem is all completely transparent in the ledger so that you're not going to get situations where there's fraudulent activity on there or if, because they do actually do within this system a lot of predetermination of the, the skillers, they call them, uh, the people that are giving the skills to make sure that they're good people and that you're not going to get sort of nastiness in there. But, you know, if somebody did do something wrong, then there is a, a block and report system. And of course, all of that is, is going into a transparent ledger where everybody can see exactly what's going on. The chances of bad things happening within this platform is pretty low. And I just like that combination of controls, transparency, regulation almost that blockchain technology brings to any technology and any startup. Plus the fact that it's got its own currency as well, which means they're creating their entire own economy around skill sharing. And this is how you need to think if you're going to be thinking about blockchain. You can apply it to pretty much every business. And so far, I've seen nothing but benefits from blockchain technology applications when it comes to uh, you know changing the way that we think about existing systems. Right. Now, I love the ones that are actually solving real-world problems. There's a, um, a big rampant problem within the blockchain and cryptocurrency industry of people creating coins and tokens just because, and there's a lot of scam coins, or as it's called in the industry, shit coins. There's a lot of them out there, and uh, we interviewed, actually, on Bad Crypto, we interviewed James Altucher, and he said that he thinks about 90% of most of the cryptocurrencies out there are scams or they're not going to be successful, but there's going to be that 10%, 5 to 10% that are really, really ridiculously successful. I look at it like this, is that there's all these industries that are being disrupted by blockchain. And so right now we've identified 50 plus that are being disrupted. And if you look at what happens in the stock market, right? So if these, if these guys disrupt this industry with blockchain and they become, you know, sort of the blockchain industry leader, there's going to be one leader in every one of those industries that gets disrupted. And there's going to be the number two place one and the number three place one. But over time, that number one company that disrupted that industry is going to be the winner. And so if you can pick those out as you're moving forward into this space, there's a lot of opportunity to make a lot of you know successful investments in the space. And so that brings us to our final piece of news for the week, which is 100 cryptocurrencies described in four words or less. These are some of the top ones, top 100 cryptocurrencies, and basically a little quick description of each one. As you get out there and really understand what's going on with blockchain technology and the associated um, initial coin offering that goes alongside all of those technologies, don't forget that all of this began with cryptocurrencies, things like Bitcoin, things like Ethereum, Ripple, Litecoin, Dash, etc., etc. This is just a, a really cool little resource uh, that was put together over on TechCrunch. Um, it's the name of the coin. It's the symbol, so you can go and find it on the various exchanges. And then a description of it in four words or less. So Bitcoin, for example, is digital gold. Ethereum is programmable contracts and money. Use this just as a, a really good cheat sheet to go and find out what all of the different coins that are out there are and, and what they're associated with as part of your education. Because really feel that right now is the time to learn all about blockchain technology learn all about uh, what's out there and what people are doing with it. This list, if nothing else, at least gives you a starting point to go and see what people are doing. So I don't know if you know this, but there's a, a coin called Gollum. Yes, there is actually a coin called Gollum. Uh, I would imagine it's quite precious. And the explanation for that is rent other people's computers, right? So 
that then leads you to go and maybe Google Gollum and find out what that project is all about. And that's another piece of inspiration for you in terms of what blockchain technology could do for you. So mm-hmm. another one is the basic attention token, right? BAT, that's a decentralized ad network on the Brave browser, which is pretty cool. That was actually created by the uh, founders of Firefox and JavaScript. So there's some really interesting projects that are that are popping up in this whole space. And I will just throw this out. I've not thrown a plug out before uh, of a resource for you can go check out. But we just did a, a show, episode 53 of Bad Crypto. You can go to that badco.in. That's badco.in forward slash 053. That is a show that we created called Magical Internet money. It's about a 30-minute episode where we're going through and explaining in layman terms how blockchain works, why cryptocurrencies are important, and how they match up with fiat currency like USD and the pound and the euro and all that great stuff. So if that's something you want to learn more about and if you want to you know, uh, sit through another episode of Hearing My Voice, uh, that's a show that uh, you'd want to tune into that really goes into in-depth. 30 minutes kind of gives you the overview of why blockchain and cryptocurrencies are important and why you want to know about them and because i know personally that episode is awesome i will allow the plug uh, so that's uh, completely fine travis yes. hey listen speaking of plugs we should stop doing them and get into our interview instead which is awesome because it is the amazing peggy ann Saltz. peggy ann has basically been one of the voices in mobile marketing for many many years now she really knows her stuff and of course mobile is still incredibly important to us because we live in this world where the smartphone is always within arm's reach 24 hours a day seven days a week we're going to get into what's coming next and uh, peggy ann's gonna get her crystal ball and and tell us all about it should we uh, get into it travis let's go All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a great treat for us today. As always, it's always a treat when we have these amazing guests on our show. And today we have Peggy Ann Sauls. She is a a mobile analyst. She is also the lead analyst and founder at Mobile Groove. She is a content strategist and a catalyst writer. She likes to write about cattle. (laughs) No. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Peggy. How are you doing? Great, great to be here. I'm. A, I'm. I have to say, I love the show, so it's great to be on the show. <laughs> Thank you. It's awesome to have you on the show, uh, Peggy. It's so good, actually. I, you know, what's been amazing, really, for me, is that we've been kind of working with each other for years now, and we only actually got to see each other in real life two whole months ago, which is boggles my mind. Uh, I can't believe it took that long for us to meet. Indeed, it was a long time over there at VentureBeat. And I have to say that I'm still reeling from the experience. It is an invigorating conversation, a mind meld in the Vulcan sense. I had a great time. Most people don't say that. Most people say that, uh, you know, they're still reeling from the experience and they put a full stop after that sentence. But uh, thank <laughs> okay. you for saying that. Most people say they're fantastic. still rin- they're rinsing off. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Peggy, look, we've been talking this year an awful lot about AI and how it's having a huge Mm. effect on on marketing, how it's having a huge effect on marketing technology. But I think, you know, we've kind of stopped talking about what's happening in mobile by itself. And I feel like we need to just like revisit that a little bit because so much has changed in the last year. Google are are focusing super, super hard on the mobile experience and they've got the, uh, the mobile index. And if you if you don't have a great mobile experience at all anymore, they're going to downgrade you. And of course, you know, Apple mm-hmm. and Google have both been making massive changes to the app stores and the algorithms and, and you know, how your apps actually get found and, and we, even just what they look like. I mean, 
you know, what is the state of, of mobile marketing right now? And, you know, why is it so darn important for everybody to get their heads around it? Well, the easy answer is, is because we are mobile. I've written nine books around mobile for various uh, customers and clients, as well as for, for Amazon. So I've been doing this for, well, basically since mobile's been with us, right? And I remember writing a long time ago, like, long time ago would be, what, five years, six years ago, we are mobile and mobile is us. And someone was like, that sort of says it, Uh, maybe not all of it, but for me, that sums it up. So the flat out answer is everything is about mobile because we're about mobile. Mobile is about us. It defines us. It defines our day. It defines what we do. I always say I've outsourced my brain, one, to Google and probably two to my phone. And between the two of them, you know, I would be completely powerless throughout the day. And I'm sure that's the same for everyone else. So that's just the way things are. And I'm always a realist. So if that's the way things are, then what does that say? That says you need to be mobile first. With that point in mind, what's really exciting for me, Stuart, is not just the fact that we have to be mobile first, but we're rethinking app marketing and mobile marketing completely from thinking about funnels to thinking about actions. And that for me is like really exciting. That's not what everyone is picking up on because I'm always into the engagement and people side of the equation. And for me, That's the real challenge of getting that right. But the really hopeful thing is that we're starting to even think in that direction. Is that more that people are becoming less happy with apps? Because it seems like downloads of apps are decreasing and more mm. mobile mobile web stuff is popping up. What are some of the trends that you're seeing in the app versus mobile web space? I'm seeing it really split between, you know, we're starting to understand that a mobile app is essential. It's part of the toolkit. I'm not going to diss apps. I've written about them. I've written the book and the every, everything guide to mobile apps. I'm not going to do that, but I am going to elevate mobile web for the simple reason that there are different contexts here. And this is, again, understanding it's not a funnel. It's not linear. Nothing is linear anymore. The whole idea is that if you have a mobile web experience, then you're going to get picked up in those search results. There's going to be people that sort of like wander by, you know, if you see it in that, in that sort of analogy. And you want to get those people. You want to be where they are. So yes, you want to have your mobile web experience and you want to have your mobile app experience as well. And the thing about apps is it's great. It's the brand in our hand if we do indeed have it there and if we do indeed pay attention to it. So, you know, I was interviewing a woman the other day and she said, you know, valuable users are great to have, but my God, are they expensive, you know? It's a trade-off and it's true because you have to engage and re-engage and that's part of what everyone's going to be doing. That's what we're going to hear a lot about re-engagement in 2018. But you have to accept that. If we accept where we are, then we can work from there and and things can actually progress rather than uh, living in a fancy world where the app is really the be-all, end-all. There was a day, you'll remember it, Stuart, when mobile apps were a strategy. Remember? Oh, I'm in mobile. I have a mobile app. Well, that's not a strategy. That is an instrument. It's not even an instrument of engagement. It's an instrument of... um, re-engagement because you will have had to convince someone to download the app in the first place. Where and how do you do that? Where do you convert users? That happens a lot on the web. I like the way you say you'll remember that, Stuart, as if you know, like <laughs> I'm the oldest person on the call. That's, that's really good. No, I, was thinking, I was thinking like-minded veterans here, but okay, we'll, we'll leave that one. <laughs> um, by the way, brand in my hand is usually uh you know one two or three of those stamps that you get at nightclubs uh, so that you can get back in afterwards um, 
did some research recently. Um, one of the things I was looking at was how chatbots have really come into play, uh, whether people are buying things with chatbots or not, um, whether people are really using them or not. You know, what was kind of interesting out of that research was that it's really clear that chatbots are becoming useful and it's really clear that people are using them. Um, in fact, 10% of the audience, and this was quite early research, so I wasn't expecting this, but 10% of the audience had actually installed anything between 10 and 50 chatbots into their messaging apps and, and added brands as friends. But when we then measured whether they wanted to use the chatbot as the primary way of, of talking to a brand or not, over 60% of them still went to the app and only 17% of them went to the chatbot first. Uh, the rest of them went to mobile web. So you know, it's kind of interesting to me. I mean, where do you see chatbots playing out? Do you see them, you know, continuing to, to have an effect on mobile based on the fact that now messaging apps are used more than any other kind of app on, on the phone? I believe that they will have their place. I see it more as assistance and helpful. They have their place, again, in that toolbox I talk about, because I don't believe at the end of the day, Stuart, that we make any decisions. I believe we follow our customers, our users, you know, the people. I hate to call them consumers as if they aren't really human beings. You know, we follow people. If they want to have an app, then we're on the app. If they want to have web, we're on web. We don't really decide. We look where the audience is. In the case of chatbots, I'm seeing a lot of that around trying to be assistive, trying to offer help. So it's in a position where you don't want content. You want to make a decision. I was talking to someone, I just interviewed the head of mobile over at AccuWeather, Steve Smith, and he was saying, you know, if it's sunny outside, then anything can sort of help you make the decision, right? App, website, what have you. If it's a severe thunderstorms are coming your way, then you don't want information, you want assistance. And that's where their AI-powered bot, for example, comes in and is really helpful. And I think that's something to follow there, that it has its place, but it's in a different context of conversation. It's like, I want something now, and you need to tell me what I need to do. And I think that's more where that is. I don't think that's going away, whereas app is experience, chatbot is more personal assistant. And obviously, that's going to grow because we are talking to brands in messaging apps where we're interacting with entities, began with the day with, with Siri, thinking that that was, I remember people who thought that was somebody who really was there and just speaking the answers. So, you know, we have this vision of where this comes from. And the point is that that interaction is going to be across all of these different channels. Uh, that's great. L let me ask you about AR and some VR type of stuff, right? Because mm -hmm. with, uh, with Apple coming out with AR kit and, you know, Google being present in that space with their different goggles and whatnot, the cardboard and the dream and all the other stuff. What are some of your thoughts on AR and when is that going to, to really hit mainstream in your opinion? I don't see it hitting mainstream for a while in marketing. There's some areas of marketing because we're always talking about how everything needs to be an experience. And it does. Otherwise, why bother at the end of the day? And I'm reading research that's really exciting about how millennials and under millennials, so all of those other groups, you know, the Gen Y, X, Z, whatever you want, they actually will take experience over discounts. How's that for one? But that's mm. surprising, right? I know a lot of people are like, oh, no, I want the discount. I want the money off. I want the coupon. No, if you give them an experience and even a heartwarming story is what I've read, they'll take that above everything else. So, yes, experience is important, but there are only 
different types of marketing, different levels of engagement that can carry that off. I don't think that it's for everything. I think it's more about getting my attention, keeping my interest. But again, when it gets down to brands being utilities and genuinely helpful, I don't know that that's the space for VR. I tend to think it's more for engagement marketing. So I'll be on the side of effective conversational marketing, contextually relevant, a little bit of chatbot to make it sort of really assistance. And the rest of it, I won't say when, but, you know, I'm based in Europe, which is also a little bit different from, you know, rest of world. Not here in Germany, for sure, where I'm based. It's going to take a while. I think it's more of an experience and less of the basis of the interaction between people and the companies they do business with. Yeah, I think you're probably right for the next few years. I mean, VR is is, is with us now, but it really yeah. hasn't gained traction at a consumer level. It's great as a top-down thing. You know, it's great as a VR, as an experience to say, maybe yeah. change the way that you view a particular product. Like, uh, I've, I've seen some great VR experiences where, for example, you put a headset on when you're basically going onto a uh, roller coaster. Or, you know, I've seen some really, really cool things in a shopping mall. But you know, consumers don't seem to be getting to VR that much, but AR is going to be probably game-changing. It's certainly going to be much, much, much bigger than VR, and it's going to come to our phones mm-hmm. first because of AR kit and AR core. It's it's not going to be a pair of glasses that you walk along the street with for probably another decade, but kind of interesting to me. I mean, in terms of that whole mobile experience, and it, and it will be a mobile experience for AR first, are we in danger of just like ruining everything within that space very quickly if marketers just sort of take over and start throwing marketing messages all over the place in any kind of augmented reality context. That's always the danger, isn't it? I mean, I remember back in the days of permission-based marketing, and we had this concept of, gee, what are we going to do? How frequently should we be delivering these messages? And what about opt-out? Should we allow that? And of course, that became the rule. But there was a discussion whether or not that was right or not. And I believe those same rules of engagement apply, and I believe we can screw up things just as massively as we did when we started spamming people whether it was with uh, text messages, you know, let's not even talk about notifications. Some of them are truly valuable and relevant, and I'll keep them, and the others are annoying. I don't know what to say. You know, you give, you give people tech, and it's like the analogy of the kid in the candy shop. It's like, oh, boy, this is so cool. I have to do this, and I can do that, and I can do that. And I side with them. I understand that enthusiasm, but I'll always be the people side of the equation. You know, at the end of the day, does it add to my day? Or is it somehow detracting or annoying? And since we're a time-crunched society overall, if it's not removing friction and it's somehow creating friction, okay, there's the moment for the experience. But that is transitory compared to the rest of the offer, which always has to be personal, always has to be relevant, never spooky, never creepy, guys, you know. But value has to be first. And if the cool stuff supports that, then absolutely. But otherwise, if we're just going to go crazy and say, this is great stuff, let's do it, we may indeed screw it up. And we may indeed have to backtrack. Look what we had to do with every other conceivable format and approach so far. Yeah, remember that, Travis. Nothing creepy, okay? (laughs) Nothing creepy. I try. I keep trying, but it's hard. (laughs) Peggy, thank you so much for augmenting our reality today. We could talk for hours and hours and hours, but unfortunately... We always have a time limit with VB Engage, and it's, it's really sad that we do. Um, but it's been amazing. Thank you so much for being on VB Engage. Thanks so much, Stuart. I'll look forward, maybe again, another time. 
Yes. And how can people connect with you on the intertubes? You can do it the old-fashioned Peggy at mobilegroove.com. I'm Peggy Ann, A-N-N-E, on Twitter, where I'm extremely active. And, of course, Facebook, LinkedIn, and all the rest of it. I'm not quite like you, Stuart. I haven't really made my home yet in Instagram and elsewhere, but I am out there. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much to Peggy Ann Sauls for coming on VB Engage and talking about the mobile marketing world. That was fascinating stuff. And if you missed last week's episode, uh, we had Steve Rayson on, and he was one of the founders of BuzzSumo, which recently got acquired by Brandwatch. BuzzSumo is the best content analytics platform out there. Uh, they did not pay us to say that. It is just true. It is amazing. I use it all the time. And next week, we have on Mike Wiccan. You may have heard his name before. He is an epic video game creator, having created games like Doom and Metroid Prime and Donkey Kong Country and all kinds of amazing stuff. Duke Nukem, like he was part of that as well. And uh, we chat with him next week about immersive technologies, VR, AR, and how they are applying not only to the consumer world, but more so how they are working into the enterprise landscape. And so that is fascinating stuff. And so this has been episode 77. That's a very lucky number. And uh, that is what this has been. So for Travis Wright, goodbye. Uh, for Stuart Rogers, it's Kvedia. We'll see you guys next week.